It's gonna be good. people. It's me, Jenny D from Spill With Me, Jenny D podcast. Thank you so much for joining me with another episode. I am here at Tata 2 Studio McMurray, PA, and this studio is just so beautiful. Thank you, Andrea. Andrea has difficult roads often lead to beautiful destinations. You can come here for cosmetic and paramedical tattoos, so make sure to get on their website. So today, my guest is Holly. Holly, pronounce your last name. You know I always say it wrong. Okay, well, if you're going to do my name, you have to get the whole thing. Oh, it's geez. Holly Joy. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Holly Joy McElwain. Holly Joy McElwain. It's, it's a mouthful. <laughs> it is. I'm a handful. It's a mouthful. <laughs> so I just wanted to let you know, uh, probably about a couple months ago, I was at a book launch, and I think Corey... Wamsley told mm-hmm. me about it, and I see this beautiful smile. I see this woman, and I'm like, who is this beautiful woman smiling at me right now? And I was like, I got to, I have to get to know her. Mm. And her book, books, plural, she's an author, she's a mom, mm. she's also... What am I not at this point? <laughs> I mean, I'm almost a clown, but I can't. Network group of women that I joined yes. called Brave Women Project. Yeah. But let's get into you, Holly. Mm. Let's start talking about how we met. Is because you wrote some really inspiring books. So, yeah. so many women can see that you know what these stories will make you feel like you know you're not alone. And that's why I even started this podcast, to let people know that we're all going through different things. It's just a matter of how we feel when we're going through it. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things is a lot of women feel isolated when they're going through difficult things. That's why when we walked in this place and we saw the sign, yes. difficult roads often lead to beautiful destinations. I, I think about that all the time. Um, the day we met, you came into this event and... I was with my friend Amy, who co-authored this book with me, um, and the book's called For She Who Grieves, and it's practical wisdom for living hope. And I say this all the time about this book, that this was the most important thing I've ever done with my life besides my children, besides giving birth to my children. This book was the most important thing I've done because the significance is in providing a space for people to share the struggle and find a reason for hope. And don't you think, Holly, when you write things down, it's almost like when you're reading it for the first time, for someone who's going through any of the... Tell us a little bit more about the different subjects and the different topics that these women share, because this is very... You're very vulnerable when you're doing this, but you want people to know it's okay. You know, I keep saying it's okay not to be okay. That's right. You know, I mean, you're That's able right. to if you're able to share these experiences. Tell us a little bit about some of the um, topics that these yeah. women have. 
So Jenny, that, that space for vulnerability is where this book started to take shape. Um, and I think the story of what happened before the book was written is really the critical element so that your listeners can understand why the book exists. Um, I, you know, I've been a working mom my whole life. I knew from an early moment, basically when I was pregnant, that I was not meant, meant to be a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Like I just wasn't meant for it. Right. And for all of you women who do it and who have done it, I I don't even know how you have done it. I know right. that was you, that yeah. you were a stay-at-home but mom. But hey, I look at women oh. like you and think, how did you do it? So, I mean, we both see the both sides of yes. that. It's, it's, it's really hard. And no matter how you slice it, being a woman is hard. Right. And so the pandemic hit, and I had already been, I just published my first book. I'm not plugging in here, but I'm plugging in here. It, and it's, <laughs> Why not, baby? <laughs> it's called For She Who Leads, Practical Wisdom from a Woman Who Starves. And this was based, it's a really quick book. It's 88 pages long. Yes, it's me on the cover with toilet paper handing it under the stall. Because it doesn't matter where you sit, where you stand, what your title is. The most important woman in the bathroom is the person who is handing the toilet paper to that person on the other side who is stuck. Guess what? Being a woman is not glamorous. And we might have the fun things like the jewelry and the hair and all the, you know. We look like we're all put together, but we have things. We have things. And so I was um, in an industry that was extremely different from the way that I looked, the way that I was made, the way that I showed up. I come on hard, big, and with lots of love. And when I walk in a room, you know it. And guess what? I know that. And I say that because that's not always something that people want, and it's not always something that people expect, and it's not always people that that's not always something that people are welcoming. But I know who I am, and I know what I can do, and so I've been determined to do that to make people's lives a little bit better. Right. And I wrote this book at a time when I had just become a mother. I was still working. I was pursuing a master's degree. I was pursuing a promotion. I was, I had only been married to my husband for a short time before we got pregnant, like hours. Right. And so we went from, you know, being in my thirties single and having everything at my fingertips that I controlled to being a wife and a mother in the middle of life. Right. And I wasn't ready to let go of being a leader. And I wasn't ready to let go of my dreams. And so I wrote this book and it had just come out. The pandemic hit and everything that I had planned fell apart. Yeah. And that happens. Yeah. The world was falling apart. Jenny, the think about that. The world was falling apart. How could we not be falling apart inside? Yeah. Yes. Not wondering what was going to happen to us or what was going to happen to our children, yep. to our loved ones. I mean, this was a scary time. It was a scary time. And we had a glimmer of hope in a scary time. My husband and I found out that we were, we were pregnant. And this was our third baby, and we were just so excited. It was like a new page for our family. Yes. At the same time, my father-in-law was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And the only thing we knew to do was to move him into our home and care for him and love him and be with him. And so we have the beginning and the end in our household. And my father passes away. I'm and so sorry. it it was it was a it was a unexpected and expected and we had this anticipa- anticipatory grief for my father because he had been sick for many years mm-hmm. and so you know when you're at the end you're waiting for someone to just let go yeah. and go be peaceful like it's okay to go yes. yes and i violated my own boundaries and i went to his home and there was a reason why i wasn't around my my family of origin very much but when i went to the home there were things that happened that changed my life yeah. and i went home that day and a couple weeks later, we found that we had miscarried. So sorry. I lost my father. I lost my baby. 
Weeks later, my husband's diagnosed with MS. I lost them. You know, you think about it. And this is, this is, I write this in the book and I'll talk about the For She Who Grieves book right. in a minute and the way it's written. But I just, I, I want to create a space where people can understand that, that life happens in the midst of all of it. Right. I lost my future, this child that we had just planted our hopes and dreams on. I lost my father, the first man who ever loved me. And then the, the man that I was married was different from the man that I was married to right. because this, this disease was changing our future before my eyes. It was like sand slipping through my fingers. And all of this is anticipating the death of his father. And so right. all of this death is surrounding me. And I, yes. I still went to work every day because of the responsibilities I had. I still played with my children because they were little boys, right. little they babies. Understand. No, like how so were you, you holding this inside? Like the grief, like you were ne- not able to express it or share it or just, you know, I'm a woman on a plan. So I had right. a checklist of how I was going to get through it and whatever I planned was not working. Yeah. So I found myself laying in bed eating a cake that one of my amazing neighbors delivered, thinking this is not going to work. And so I started writing for She Who Grieves, just laying in bed. And I couldn't stay in bed long because I had these babies who needed me. I had this husband who needed me. His father was dying. And I had all of these employees and these people that I needed to care for. And so... You had the world on your shoulders. I did. Is how you felt. Jen, I did. But I had these women who were not connected to each other, but they were connected to me. You know what they were doing? They were sending me at-home spa boxes because they knew I like to feel pretty. They were sending me jewelry. They were sending me dinners. They were sending me notes. They were sending me love. They were calling. They They were FaceTiming. Yeah. They allowed me, strong woman that I am, to be very vulnerable and very weak. And they were safe. It's okay. I mean, as much as you like put on that face for everyone else, you, you know, I'm strong. I don't want anybody yeah. to see that I, I can fall apart any minute now, or I have some weaknesses. Yeah. We are so afraid to show that, but we have it, yeah. and it's okay. Yeah. It, because we all have that. We're breaking point, or we have that where we're hitting a wall, and we're like, "What do we do? Yeah. What do I do next? I'm supposed to know everything. Yeah. I'm supposed to be that person that has." You know, I'm taking care of the kids. I'm taking care of my husband. Taking care of my job. Taking care of the house. But what about taking care of me? Yeah, and that's where you hit the brakes. Right. You know, you go from B R E A K to B R A K E, and that change, that that hitting the brakes, that pause, is what allowed me to lean on trusted people. Yes. And that was the beginning of the Brave Women Project. Yes. And. That that the creation of the Brave Women Project, we knew it would be a nonprofit. Right. We knew it would be for, for professional women who are carrying the weight of the world. We knew that it needed to be a community of confidentiality and trust. Right. We knew that we needed to provide a space for strong women to be vulnerable. And we succeeded. Yeah. And in that time that I healed and that I was navigating life in my home, these women were around me. And we had our very first event on National Girlfriends Day in August of, of 2020. <laughs> of 2020. Okay. 2020. I so that's invited, when it started. Yes. I invited all of my girlfriends who had been part of my journey yeah. to celebrate with me for a virtual brunch. It was hysterical. <laughs> and I saw something happening. I saw these women yeah. tell their stories. I was going to say, how many? Yeah. Oh, we had like 12 or 14. That's it was. It was like the perfect amount. But they all went around. And, and for Brave Women Project, for the first year about... Every event started like this. They talked about their connection to the organization, to each other, to me. Right. And it started this building of trust. 
And then they started to share their own stories and they started to share those meaningful moments. And then they started to share their vulnerabilities and then they started to share support. And what I watched happening in those early months through these virtual conversations, because that's all you could have during COVID. Oh, I know. I saw these profound movements. Breaks became breakthroughs, not breakdowns. And that big break that we all had to take because the world required us to actually gave people it a chance. slowed us down. Yeah. We slowed down. We thought about what we needed. And so we give out this book with every single new membership to Brave Women Project yes. for She Who Leads because we really believe that every woman has an opportunity to be a dispositional leader. It doesn't matter what her right, title we're is. We're all leaders in a way yeah. of, you know, if you don't have children or you don't have, but you're still a leader in your yeah. way. And you can serve because leadership is service. Right. You can be the woman that hands the toilet paper under the stall. Exactly. Like that is a powerful, powerful it is. place. It sounds so small. Like if you think about it, I mean, it's like, but you need those people. Yeah. Have you ever the tried to like pull up pantyhose on a bathroom <laughs> stall and like try to waddle to get to It's like or not yeah, happening. Or someone's like, hey, let me get your button for you. Or yes. let me, you know, oh, you got something on you. I mean, little things like that. People don't understand. Like that right there is the act of kindness yeah. that women need to, to do. For each other. Yeah. Don't you agree, Holly? Oh my gosh. And be the person who gives before you receive. Be right. the person who takes care of the people around you. Right. That's what connected us. Yes. We connected that day so authentically right. because of that generosity of spirit. Right. And I, you know, and I've been through some things too. And I didn't share, you know, I didn't know you guys when you did your book, but, you know, I feel that some of the stories in there related to me and what yeah. I've gone through. Yeah. And it really touched me because I felt like, Okay, I'm not alone. Yeah. I'm not alone. There's somebody else out there that has gone through something and it you, you do, you feel like you're the only one when you're going through some some heartache. Yeah. Don't you agree? Oh, it's so true. And and grief is universal. It's just so right. different on everyone. It looks different, it feels different, and every experience of grief is different. And when right. Amy, my my partner, my collaborator, my co-creator, my sister, my friend, when we sat down and started doing this book together, what we discovered was that everyone has a story about grief and everyone is reaching to live hope. And so the stories in the book, I'm so glad that you felt connected to some of them. We wrote the book specifically in a way that the person who tells the story, who's experiencing grief, who's sharing their grief is, is not detectable that you can see something of yourself in them, but you don't know who she is. Right. We did that for a lot of reasons. Grief is intimate. Yes. It's personal. It's vulnerable. It's dangerous. You know, anytime like um, you have a death in the family, and somebody says to you, "Oh, are you, how are you? Are you okay?" Yeah. Or, you know, and sometimes there's not words to say. No, no, there's and, no words to say. And the pressure of performing—I mean, my name is Holly Joy. Okay. <laughs> oh, she's joyful. <laughs> yes. Like for me to experience grief. To be sad. You to mean? be sad, yeah. to be angry. Right. I mean, my husband's the only one who sees me angry. So, like, when you think about... And you were angry about all the oh, things that have happened to you. Heartbroken. Like, you know, you, you reach and you think to yourself, why me? Or why yeah. is this happening? Like, you know, I, I just... You just don't expect it. And when it all comes mm-hmm. down, like, you had a lot of things at once. Yeah. How do you react to that? Well, with open hands, right? Right. And that's the hardest thing, giving up, relinquishing the control of all of these elements that we had no control over to begin with. Right. Relinquishing control, allowing people to love me, and acknowledging that my grief deserved the dignity 
of experience. Yeah. And and so we researched for this book. We researched so much because one of the other things that I realized is that grief and trauma are so closely connected. And I never wanted a single reader to be re-traumatized from reading our book by someone else's grief or triggered or harmed. And so consistently through the book, we have all of these stop points. Not only were we very careful in the way that we wrote, but we were very careful about considering the reader's experience. And so we have checks are, you know, how are you doing? Do you, right. you know, here are some resources for some of these very common that experiences. Is such a great idea. We really want it. And the last pages in the book are also just pages and pages of resources because when you are grieving, it is going to be different for every person. Some people want information and they're going to connect and they're going to do things and they have to be active. Some people want to climb in their bed. You know. I, I know. I, I was like that. I was that yeah. type of person that just didn't want anybody to see me hurt. Yeah. And I would just want to be alone and yeah. hide myself. But if you think about it, like, is when you go through grief or tragedy, a lot of times what I found out is that sometimes it happens in your childhood. And it kind of follows you through your adulthood. But you don't even know until... It, you just wake up one day and realize, oh my gosh, this is why I'm doing this. Or this is why I find these type of people in my life is because I surround myself with this because I like to, you know, I, you know what I mean? Like it all becomes like, oh wow, this is why this is happening. But the tragedy mm. doesn't go away. No. And, and when we were writing this book, I studied, I went back to a study I did in my undergrad. I studied family systems. And understanding the family of origin and the different the different experiences and relationships and dynamics in that family is so foundational. It forms you in certain ways. I remembered it. And so as I'm writing, I'm kind of like putting pieces together. And so I went on a deep, deep, deep rabbit hole back into it to really study it. We don't write about it at all in the book. We don't talk about it because it's it's a totally it's a different book, it's a different day, it's a different right. topic, it's a plenty of people write about it. But what I needed to understand was how did the grief that I experienced with the loss of my father, which consequently became the loss of so many other relationships as well, how was I bringing beauty to the brokenness that that grief opened up? Oh, I like that. How are you bringing beauty to the grief that has happened? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's my goal. Right. Practical wisdom for living hope because hope is an anchor. Yeah. And joy is a bridge. Right. And I I was really determined to focus. I love those analogies, all. It's beautiful, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It's beautiful. I, I thank Amy for that, my co-author. Yes. Oh, you're both yeah. so wonderful. At the, just the way you speak. I mean, listening to you, I learned so much. And I think that's the other thing that really gravitated us towards each other is I've learned to really listen and really listen to the person I'm talking to and look into their eyes and really feel what they're feeling. And it's such a powerful thing. Being present. Being present. Yeah. Being present. Yeah. I don't think I was present a lot of my, you know, taking care of my kids. How could you be, though? Because that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I was not made to be a stay-at-home mom. When you're in the thick of it. Yes. And when you're in the thick of parenting and caregiving. Yes. It is so hard to be truly present. And that's one of the things that I do now as a parent. You know, it's so easy to keep your phone out and scroll and do all these things. My kids are like at that age, they're six and eight, where they can kind of be occupied by something and I could be distracted and we could coexist. I refuse to settle for coexisting with anyone in my life, not my husband, not 
my company, not my friends, not my family, not my children. I refuse coexistence. I want it to be all messy and intertwined. Yes, Yes, I want it. I want it present. I want to give 110% of myself to whoever is in front of me because you are worth it. I love that. It's worth it. I mean, I just, I, I, you know, like having that presence of being in that moment and hearing, I mean, it's just to me, like with with writing this book and all these different women sharing their stories, Mm -hmm. it's so inspirational because you feel that, you know, sometimes we don't want to talk about our insecurities or things that have happened to us that maybe we don't want people to know about because everybody thinks, oh, you're so perfect or this or that, you know what I mean? (laughs) And, and like perfection is such a, I mean, it's, it's, it's so unattainable. We're not perfect. No. And I, you know, I, I had a great lesson in this it's when like, I was we young. we all say we're not perfect. Yeah. And, and, but we say it, but we're like, I'm going to try. I know. <laughs> I'm not going to stop. We try. So uh, let me tell what you about it. <laughs> I mean, you're perfect. No. 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 You know what? You know what perfect is? <laughs> we're going to tell you all right now. We are going to tell you what perfect. Perfect is someone who can be there for someone else who, so, this is what I've learned too. My husband and I talked about this. Uh, because we never knew this, that the number one person in my life should be my husband than my kids. I've always put my kids first and then him. Can't. I know. Can't do it. You I can't know. do it. That'll and I was always like, yeah. my kids are first. But you have to learn how to love that person more than yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. I mean, the day that my husband and I got married, whoa. I mean, I mean, the day we met, it's crazy. I always think about this. Like, okay, so... Remember that Hugh Grant movie, Love Actually? Yes, I just watched that for the first time. So the guy (laughs) is standing up in the street. His best friend is married to this woman. He loves it. He holds this poster, and he says, to me, you're perfect. Right? It's like such a great thought, right? Yes. I will say this. I know my husband's not perfect. He knows, front row seat, that I am not perfect. He sees my imperfections on the magnifier on a daily, right? Right. We got married and knew that we were ending life as we knew it. And most people walked up the aisle and, you know, the girl in the dress and all the people and all the, like, you know, flowers and everything, and he's waiting. No, we didn't do it that way. We walked up the aisle together. And it was shocking yeah. for people because I'm kind of a traditional girl, but, like, you wouldn't believe that looking at me now, you know. Yeah. But people were shocked to see that he and I decided to walk up the aisle together. We made the commitments we made to lose our lives because marriage was going to be freaking hard. We had no dissolutions there. We knew marriage was going to be hard. We were so lucky that we got pregnant with John so quickly, like on our honeymoon, but we were not prepared for how freaking hard marriage was going to be when you have two people who suddenly have their lives connected, who have their finances connected, right. who have their futures connected, and now their DNA is connected because you have this person that you're responsible for keeping alive till right. they're 18. <laughs> and it's like, right. oh my God. And then it's we added lot. another one. Yeah. We just cut, we just took stress after stress after stress after stress after stress and joy after joy after joy. We never refused anything. Right. But it meant that it was hard. Yeah. And it meant that some days my kids required more of me than I could give to him. Right. And for some people, that's really hard. And for some days, he needed to get away from us and go to work and be in an office. And I was at home working remotely with my kids, doing the things because they needed me. And so the resentment builds. And, it does. And, oh yeah. And you separate. Like your lives begin to separate because your daily your daily environment is different. 
But because they don't think you care about them. Yes, exactly. And then you don't think they care about you. I I think my biggest struggle was the uh, validation of feeling like appreciated, you know, feeling that what I'm doing, being at home and sacrificing, you know, my career and what I love to do. But now here I am. I know. Look at you. Doing what I love to do and meeting new people and being able to share their stories with the world. And think about what you get, Janet. Like, and this is why, like, I love the stories. I love the meeting people. I don't, you know, surface anyone. I I go so deep with everyone I interact with. But I think about this, like, my job today is to go home to my family better than I left the house this morning. And my job at work is to make sure that every single employee that I interact with has the same experience, that they go home better to their family. And, like, the experiences you get to have... It should make you better when you go home to your it husband does. and your kids. And and it doesn't matter how old your kids are. So it's much. amazing. Right. Yeah. Now tell us okay, so tell us more yeah. about so how many books have you written? So I've I've the two um, with my name in the in the title, and then I have the third, which is twenty one. It's twenty one female entrepreneurs share their story, and this yes. was about COVID. And this and in the story, I'm the book ad. I'm the very last story in the book um, because I tell the story of creating the Brave Women Project. Yes. And the Brave Women Project is a passion for me, and it really was a community for women to exist in a place where I when needed it. When did you it. start this, Holly, again? You said 2020? Yeah. 2020. Okay. Um, and we did our incorporation in 2020. And um, and we took our very first member in January of 2021. And it was Amy Hooper Hanna, my co-author yeah. for For She Who Griefs. Um, and I will say that I'm continuously amazed at what is happening at what what is happening as gifts for women because we do coaching and we do it's a membership based organization you know we we had to make some some really clear movements to cl- create a space where women could feel secure, safe, right. safe to be vulnerable, safe to tell the truth, safe to, right. to, to get things out without judgment. I love that. And it so it's not to, really like a networking group. No, it's not, which is amazing. It feels like it a little bit. Well, because there's so many, yeah. when, you know, doing this, uh, being a podcaster, I have seen so many different yeah. ones and they bring so many different uh, yeah. things you know, for people, which is great. Yeah. But um, I found that yours was a little bit different. We're a little bit different. Yeah. We go really deep. Um, yeah. The most important thing that we do every month is called Come As You Are. Mm-hmm. And it is a monthly confidential support group that happens on a Wednesday afternoon from 12 to 1. Most of our things are lunch hour. Yes. And most of them are virtual because we have to constantly make decisions. Every single thing I do from the time my eyes open in the morning until the time they shut at night is a decision. Right. I never get to have leisure time because most women don't. And so what we wanted to do is create a space through Brave Women Project, bwp.life, where you could have this for life. So you need to get a workout in, log into our website, go to your platform, pick a website. We have a web, we have workouts curated by an exercise physiologist. I love that. She happens That's to so be my nice. best friend. Yeah. She, <laughs> but she was, I mean, yeah. she was a professional in the industry. Yeah. Brittany, Brittany, Brittany Onyfrak. Yeah. Um, she did a lot of work before she started doing this for us with other fitness platforms. She is a, a true professional that brings light and joy. We have pause for positivity with a positive psychology practitioner who does small group coaching. We have business coaching with a with a certified life coach who is seriously taking people on a journey. She won't even work with people until they can be on a water 
regimen, which is like wild and crazy. Yeah. And I love her for it. But she says, I won't take on a new client until you can have this commitment of drinking this many glasses of water in a day for 30 days. And it's like, that's the easiest thing. And it's free. And if you can't commit, then you're not going to have a good experience. That's oh my girl. My gosh, so she does I a group that. coaching for us and you don't have to have the whole water experience to do it. I'll tell you what I do need to but she, Yeah. So maybe you should call her. She <laughs> is the best. And yeah. then we have, we have professional development, but all of that is great, but it pales in comparison to what happens at come as you are, because when you come as you are for that hour, you take your burden and you just drop it and each person shares. And then we talk and you just, sometimes you just want to listen. Sometimes your camera's off. Sometimes you want to come and sob the whole time. I've done that before, but it is a confidential community. And that is it. We stress the confidentiality so much. And that is a game changer. And so, yeah, we're not a networking group. I mean, it feels like it. We are a life improvement group. We are committed fiercely to improving the lives of the women who join us. We're not ridiculously expensive. We're $100 a year for a membership. That's It's ridiculous in that it's literally just so that we can operate because we're a true nonprofit. And... Um, I am just in amazement that we continue to grow. It's so wonderful because I felt like, you know, when you say come as you are, and I'm a new member, so, you know, when I was at the first one, you're a little bit hesitant because you're like, oh, I don't know. Are they going to judge me? They don't even know me. But I felt so comfortable. Yeah. It's love. Because I knew I was talking to other women that have gone through things. Sometimes you show up at these events or, you know, a a networking group, and you feel that everybody seems to be like, you know, have their ducks in a row and everything's Mm -hmm. perfect, and you're just like, I'm falling apart over here. Yeah. I'm having a bad day, or I'm having... And it's hard to share that with people that you feel like, well, maybe they won't understand. But with the Brave Women Project, I felt like, all right, these women get me. Yeah. I mean, okay. It also, it also helps that my life has been continuously on a roller coaster since it started. So it's not a bad thing to have radical vulnerability as, as a front person, as a founder. And that is one thing that I, I mean, there's a lot of things that I'm not, but I try to be so radically vulnerable and my life is not perfect, but my God, I will work harder than anyone else to get things right. And, and it's like it. with and every episode, every podcast that I put out there, if it could help one person yeah. with what we're, our message is. And our message is it's okay. Yeah. It's okay not to be okay. It's read the book. And if yeah. it's going to trigger things for you, yeah, I, underst- I understand. I can, you know, we can, we feel because we yeah. feel for what has happened to us with our grief. Yeah. But it's just sometimes knowing that there's other people and what they've found to help them on maybe resources yeah. or what book. That, to me, right there, you're giving a lot to oh. other people. I, you know, the, the reviews on Amazon for, for She Who Grieves really touched me because they talk about how they didn't know what to expect with the book. Some of them say, like, it's like having coffee with your best friend. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're laughing, sometimes you're crying. And so one of the things that I had to grow into as I was writing this book is that it's okay to feel right. And so often as women, especially women in business, we believe that we're not allowed to demonstrate vulnerability or fear or pain or hurt. And that's simply not true. The whole scope of human emotions exists for a reason and we've got to feel to heal. And so if, if you're curious about the book, don't be afraid to feel, pick it up and sit with it. Because truly, 
as you page through, there are day, there are moments you will laugh. Oh my gosh, do we laugh in this book? There are moments when you will remember. There are moments where you think of someone or something that has whose name hasn't been spoken in years. Right. And I I constantly think about one of the losses that contributed to the writing of the book. And it wasn't the immediate losses. It was the loss of my girlfriend, Sarah. Um, She was someone I lived with in college and we were so close. I spent the night with her before her wedding. I introduced her to her husband. I threw her first baby shower. She was one of the most incredible, fun women I ever had. And we stopped being on the same page in our twenties. You know, just life happens. She was in a different phase of life than I was. And that changing in life, that changing of pace, that distance, all of the things contributed to us fraying, not being as close as I would have loved to be. And I was preparing to get married. We weren't in each other's lives on a daily basis. She was pregnant with her fifth child, went for a walk in the woods, got swarmed by bees, tragically died, lost the child and died all at the same time. It was knock the wind out of you. Oh my gosh. I remember it was it was months before my wedding, traveling with some of my friends from college to her funeral, see her husband and her other four children, babies. And I never, and I dedicated this book to her. I mentioned her in the first book as well. She's a part of my everyday life. Right. I refuse to let a person go to sleep without the knowledge of their of how much they mean and who they are and why they are loved. Even if I don't like you today, right. I'm going to love you. And I think that there is um, there is something in each of us that is dying to be seen right. and dying to be known. And women have a way of caring for each other right. that is so different. And it's okay that it's different because men and women are made to be different. Oh yeah, our brains work differently. Our physiology works differently. Our hearts are shaped differently. There's, I mean, a heart attack looks different on women than it does right. on men. So our friendships are meant to be different. And I think about Sarah and there's moments when I just, I wish I could call her and ask her about navigating this parenting thing or this marriage thing. And I think about my husband and how there's limitations to how he can care for me. Right. And I'm grateful for the Brave Women Project. And I'm grateful for the women who support me. And I'm grateful for friendships like this. I know. I'm grateful for you. And you know, I w- when you were talking about your friend, and sometimes it's like, we're not able to show that. You know, mm-hmm. that every day we think about that person, yeah. you know, and we f- feel the guilt. Like, I always would feel the guilt when I wouldn't see somebody for a while or I, or I wasn't being a good friend and I wasn't calling that person. I, I felt guilty, and then it just, just spiraled where, where I got to the point where I was like, well, it's been so long, it's stupid for me to reach out. Why are we like that? Reach out. It's, Say hi. It's How amazing. It is amazing. Now, here's the, here's the guilt factor that's really freaking annoying. Sometimes... Distance is meant to be there for a reason. Sometimes Mm. boundaries are existing for protection. Sometimes our gut is telling us this is not a relationship for right now. This is not a person for right now. This is not a dynamic. So while while I have sadness and sorrow about some relationships in my life that aren't there, I mean, my husband and I are raising our two boys with no one. Yeah. With no family, no grandparents around us, none of that that you would want, that you would dream of. Yeah. Well, we do that for a reason. Because if you're going to break those patterns of behavior, you've got to break the patterns of behavior. Yes. If you're going to change the dynamic, you've got to change the dynamic. And boundaries are hard. Yeah. 
and you can create a boundary thoughtfully and use it as protection or use it as a weapon. Be smart. Know the difference. And so my first book, I talk about that a lot. I talk about where home is. And then Amy and I touch on it in the second book as well because part of grief is your emotions are very unpredictable. And here's the thing. Emotions don't make us do things. We choose what to do with the emotions. Emotions are valid. They're welcome. They're important. And, you know, this is the biggest thing, too, that I, I need to touch on is it's okay to say I made a mistake. Like, oh. I should have never did that. I'm so sorry I said that. Yeah. I didn't know. Because I, sometimes I put my foot in my mouth and I'll say yeah. something to someone. I'm like, oh, why did I say that? It, it'll consume me. Yeah. I won't be able to sleep. I won't. Instead of me saying, just pick up the phone yeah. and say, listen, I'm so sorry. I hope I didn't hurt you mm-hmm. or I hope I didn't do anything to offend you. Mm-hmm. I, I did not mean it like that. I mean, oh, yeah. Can we just touch on that sometimes? Oh my gosh, be the first person to apologize. Yeah. That is the that is the real mistake. power move. <laughs> and for you know what yeah. else? Is for someone to forgive. Yes. That's even more powerful. Yeah. And that's the hard one. Because yeah. the real work is in forgiving. Right. Forgive that person. And grief plays with that too. It does. And sometimes we have to forgive ourselves. Yes, we do. I love yeah. that. Forgive ourselves. I love that. Yeah. Oh, Holly, this has been so nice. I love you, Jen. I love you, too. <laughs> you are just, I feel like, she's so smart. I feel like I learned so much from you when you speak. Mm-hmm. And you do captivate an audience. We were just at an event, <laughs> and she just captivates oh. people. There's not even a person that says a word. Like, you can't oh. even hear a dime dropper. Is that a penny? I don't even know. But you can't because yeah. you do. You have that way of speaking to people. And you have a way of making them feel like you're just talking to them. I love Thank that. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm so excited about your books. Thank so you. where can they find these? Okay, so um, you can go to hollyjoy.info and check out the books pages. Um, you can go to Amazon because that's where you get everything. Right. You can get them all on Amazon. And we'll show the pictures of the books and everything yeah. and where yeah. to get it. And yeah. I just, I so appreciate you taking oh, the time to talk to me and really like just zone in on it's okay. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, and your old show promo. Jenny, you say, hey, somebody's going through the same shit. And that's it. And so I think the real power move is being present to other people. That's it. And so I'm so happy that you brought me in here and thank you for allowing me to share my story. And listen, if it was a good time, I'll come back. That's right, girl. (laughs) Yes, you are. You're coming back. I so appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining me with another episode of Spill With Me. Jenny D, take care. Come spill with me. Cause it's been